Hello, welcome again. Uh, we're so glad that you're here with us. If you are joining us from your home or you're surrounded by a few friends for a, uh, a thing we're calling House Church, we're so excited to have you. So glad to connect in this way in this season. And, and I just want you to want to want to say that we are so eager to see you again in person and cannot wait. My name is John, uh, and I have the privilege of. Uh, being able to continue this series where we're looking at the book of Jonah and the great adventures in the deep. And so as we get started, uh, I, want to, uh, I want to ask you one question. So when you're at the end of your rope, you've had all you can handle, what do you do? Uh, I, I want to repeat that again. When you're at the end of your rope, you've had all you can handle, what do you do? Have you, ever, have you ever heard the, uh, that just before you die, your life flashes before your, your eyes? Now, I don't know what happens in the moments before you die. I've, I've never died before. Um, but, but I do know that this is a thing that people say for a long time, that, that right before you die, your life flashes before your eyes. You have this moment of clarity about everything that really matters in life. See, this past weekend, we celebrated the, the 4th of, of July, and one aspect of the 4th of July that happens pretty much every year is fireworks. See, growing up, uh, my dad was a pastor of a church, and every year his church would, would put on this fireworks show for the community, and it was not a wealthy church, so we couldn't afford to pay people to come in and do it. So what that meant was me and my friends would be out there just lighting fireworks, and so we, we, we would take turns. We had this rhythm that we worked out. And, and one year in particular, I was putting in mortars. And if you don't know what mortars are, these are these, these balls that are about this big around. And they have a long fuse on them. And you drop them in a tube, light the fuse, and it shoots up in the air. And it's beautiful. And, and so I was, I was in the rotation dropping those in. And, and, and I kind of gotten used to it. I would light it, and I would turn, and I would look up to see, see the explosion. And it was awesome. And then probably the fifth or sixth one, I lit, and I turned and I looked up and I noticed that instead of going two or 300 feet in the air, it went about five feet in the air and then started going back down. Now, I, I, I don't know if you, you understand this about fireworks, but typically they go two or 300 feet in the air and then they have this huge explosion. So imagine that huge explosion that you see up there, but it's happening right here. I knew in that moment that, I, that something was about to happen and it wasn't going to be good. If I was here when it exploded, it was going to be bad. So I did the only thing I knew to do and I ran and screamed. And I don't mean I yelled manly. I screamed. It was crazy. I ran and screamed, and, and I saw the, the sparks flying around me from this, this explosion, and I had holes in the back of my shirt from where they, they were hitting me. People who were watching said that it looked like an action movie, all of us running out from this explosion. But the reality is we were all terrified. And see, I, I don't really know what happens. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know what happens at the end of your life in those last few moments. But what I do know is that in those moments where you understand that this is about to be bad, you realize I need help. I, I need help. I need something to help me. Have you ever been in that place where you cried out for help. You, you've been in a situation that you knew this is bad and your reaction was to look around for help or to cry out for help. 
And this prayer from Jonah is, is one that really comes from inside this fish. And see, we have this story here in, in Jonah, right, of this guy who finds himself in this crazy situation. And this, this, part, where, this part where we join in with Jonah is, is a prayer. This is a, a prayer in, uh, in the middle of his story where he is, uh, it's, it's really crazy, it comes from the middle of a fish, right? We have uh, in, in chapter 1, verse 17, he, he's swallowed by a great fish, and then he prays this prayer from inside that, that fish. And it's this, this vivid picture of the situation that he is in, and he cries out to God. And, and I think that, that, that Jonah, the entire book of Jonah, could be summarized with this one phrase that he says at the end of his prayer, salvation belongs to to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Well, what does that salvation look like? What does that salvation look like? See, in the church, we have boiled salvation down to an experience or an escape from hell, right? It's this, this moment that we experience where God saves us, or it's this, this idea that we no longer have to go to hell. Now, before we go any further, uh, I want to clarify, I do believe that experience of you surrendering your will to God's will, surrendering your life to his kingdom and his control and having him forgive you, I believe that is significant and I believe that is special. I do believe that experience matters and I, and I do believe that, that missing hell is a huge, huge benefit. It's a huge thing. I just don't believe that that was the ultimate goal of salvation. Salvation is not simply that we miss hell or that we have a moment where we have all the feelings. Salvation, salvation is about us becoming like Christ. It's about us living with God and becoming like Christ. So in, in light of that, what is salvation? See, salvation is God's daily pursuit of us and his invitation for us to join with him. That is, that is what salvation is. It's this daily pursuit of us and his invitation to us to walk with him. And see, here in this chapter in Jonah, we, we kind of get a glimpse into what means God used for the salvation of Jonah. And often, you know, that's, that's the means for our salvation as well. So let's begin by, by talking about the elephant in the room, or I guess in this case, it's the whale in the room. See, see Jonah is, is, is swallowed by this big fish. Um, and see, we, we, we assume sometimes, some of us assume that the fish was there as a punishment, right? That, that God was punishing Jonah, but then others are on the other side and they believe that, that the whale was, or the fish, it wasn't a whale, the fish was a salvation. It was a rescue, you look at the story, you look at the situation, Jonah was, was thrown overboard in the middle of the sea, left for dead, and he's, he paints this picture of how bad and how desperate everything is. And then he says, God saved me. God rescued me. Then the, the fish comes. And see, what we, we have here, we, we do have here these two elements that, that I want to, to look at, this, these two elements, these two means of salvation in this story. The first one is, is this idea of judgment. There is judgment in sal salvation. See, the words that Jonah uses here, 
he talks about being in the depths of Sheol. Sheol is, is used as a description of being in the place of punishment. In the place of punishment. Philip Johnston said that Sheol is at the opposite theological extreme to Yahweh. And that the dominant feature for its inhabitants is their separation from God. And see, God in his justice cannot look upon unrighteousness and turn the other cheek or turn a blind eye. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So God, in his love, in his justice, in his grace, has to judge our sins, has to judge the actions of our lives. He can't turn a blind eye to any sin. He has to judge them. So Jonah describes feeling as though he was being judged, that he was in this place of judgment, this extreme place of judgment where he is completely separated from God. As he growing up, I, uh, I received my fair share of punishment. I, uh, I got in trouble uh, a good bit as, as a child, and there were moments where my mom and my dad would kind of fly off the handle. I would do something really bad, and they would, uh, they would do the typical parent thing and, and uh, yell at me, and I would get in trouble. And then there were these moments where I would do something, and my dad would, wouldn't really react anyway. He would just look at me, and it wasn't in anger. It was in hurt. And it was in those moments that, that I felt like the worst of the worst. It was in those moments that I, I was so uh, concerned, not about the punishment, but about the loss of connection. What happened? Now something is going on between us. I can tell that my actions hurt our relationship. I know I had a good dad, and so he, he always loved me, and he always forgave me, and he always brought me back in, and he never pushed me off. He was never done with that. But I knew in those moments the, the separation felt worse than any punishment I ever had. And that's what, what Jonah is talking about here is this, this damaged relationship and this separation and this, this judgment this imagery that he uses here of the waves crashing on him is, is about punishment. It's not simply talking about the literal waves crashing on him. He is talking about the feeling, the overwhelming feelings of the punishment, of the judgment, of the guilt of what he had just done, just coming down, billowing down over him. And he, he knew that he deserved it. He knew that he was there because of his actions. And he didn't cry out like David did in the Psalms where he said, why? He didn't do that. He knew. He understood. He knew that this was it. He knew that he was on the brink of eternity. And it says that the earth's gates shut behind me forever. He was in utter desperation. And then he says, and then you raised my life. God, you, God, raised my life. And, and see, here we, we see this, this next element of, of salvation is correction. And see, the, the fish, the great fish, it came in and, and, and it did protect him, but it also corrected his, his course. And see, Jonah was, was running the opposite direction of where God wanted him to do. They throw him overboard and, and the fish takes him from where he was going and moves him back in the direction that God wants him. He corrected his course. 
And so we don't like to think about correction being a necessary part of salvation, but it is. See, see uh, naturally, we hate to be corrected because correction can hurt. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Uh, correction is necessary, but hard. See, the writer of, of Hebrews said, said these words. He said, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And so because God loves you and he loves me, his pursuit looks a lot like judgment and correction. Because the goal is not your happiness. The goal is not my happiness. The goal is to make us more like him. The goal is to make us walk with him and become, as he says, perfect in him. See, it can be difficult to see this, but judgment and correction are actually acts of love. As a parent, you know that your kids need to be corrected. You know that your kids need correction. You, you don't discipline your kids because you're mean. You don't discipline them because you want to, unless you're a, a mean parent. Uh, but, but you discipline your kids because you know their actions need to be corrected. Because without correction, actions become solidified and they get worse and worse. A perfect example of this is Anders Breivik. He's a Norwegian man who on July 22, 2011, became a mass murderer, killing 77 people in one day. Many of them were, were teenagers. And so six years uh, later, he was in court and he made this statement. He said, he said in 2016, he said, the last five years I've been completely isolated, not corrected a single time. I've sat in a cell 23 hours a day for almost six years. I've become stranger and stranger as a direct consequence of this. And he went on to say that he was even shocked at some of the things that he had written. Anders himself says, hey, correction is necessary. I'm getting worse and worse without correction. Correction is not fun, but it is necessary. And see, we, we can notice the means of salvation here for Jonah. The elements here are judgment and correction. And so we see this process here, right? We see the process, the, if the storm had not come, right? This process is the pursuit of God. If the storm had not come, Jonah would not have been thrown overboard. If Jonah had not been thrown overboard, the fish would not have swallowed him. And if the fish had not swallowed him, he would not have taken him back. This was this process of pursuit by God to get him to this place where God wanted him. And, and it wasn't just simply because because Jonah needed to be saved from the sea, there was another type of salvation that God was, was going after. See, God didn't need Jonah to go do what Jonah did, right? So we'll see in the next few weeks that he'll go and he will preach to Nineveh. But, but God could have done that. He didn't rescue Jonah because nobody else could preach a message as good as Jonah and, uh, and cause them to, to turn, uh, turn their hearts and repent. That's not why he did it. He did it because he wanted Jonah with him. He saved Jonah from himself so that he could experience life with him and to be able to join in with the mission of God. See, God doesn't, doesn't need us to accomplish his purposes, but he chooses to use us 
to accomplish his purposes. See, sometimes God does save us from, from, our, or from our sins, right? We, we, we know that we have this moment where we are saved from our sins, and sometimes we mess up and we need to be saved from those sins again and brought from, from that again. But we also need to be saved from ourselves, and that's where this correction comes in place. See, this is, this is what, what's beautiful about this is that judgment and correction are always a part of salvation. But what, what is so beautiful for us as believers, as children of God, is that the judgment does not fall on us. God judges our actions, but the punishment, all of the weight of that judgment falls on Jesus. Because see here where Jonah didn't come through, Jesus did. All of the places that Jonah failed, Jesus succeeded. And see, all of these places that, that Jonah couldn't quite measure up and he ran and he did these things, Jesus held them. Where Jonah couldn't, couldn't get out of the water, Jesus walked on top of the water. And see, judgment and punishment for our sins was placed on Jesus. Our guilt was placed on Jesus, he took the judgment and now there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ. And then now he pursues us not to punish, but to correct, not to harm, but to help, not to strike us down, but to lift us up to walk with him. See, he is, is there to rescue because he has already faced our judgment he has already taken the punishment for our crimes. See, I, I asked the question as we began, uh, when you're at the end of your rope and you had all you can handle, what do you do? See, Jonah, he didn't do much right. I mean, honestly, uh, th this guy ran from, from God, if, if that's even possible. He he, he ran, he was in the middle of this storm. They threw him, him in. You, you hear in this prayer, like we read the prayer earlier, not one time does Jonah repent. He acknowledges that it was his fault. He, know, he understands that he's there being judged and punished because of his actions, but he does not repent. So he doesn't get tons right, but he does two things right. The first thing that he did right was he prayed. He was in the middle of this, and then he said, I lift my eyes, and he cried out. He said, I called out, I cried out to God. He prayed. That's the, the, the first thing he did right, was he prayed. And see, what, what's, what's crazy is it's hard for us sometimes to pray when we're in a situation where we are somewhere because of our actions. The, the natural response to our sin is to run and hide in shame. We're more like Adam and Eve in the garden where we hid ourselves because we were ashamed. When really the best place for us to go after we sin is in prayer to God. So Jonah got the first thing right. He, he prayed and then the second thing Jonah did right was that he hoped. He had hope. He said, I lift my eyes once again. He, he's, de he's describing this place of doom and death. And he's like, but I lift my eyes. He hoped for rescue. See, hope is one of the most powerful forces in our lives. Without hope, we have no real reason to keep going. But with hope, with hope, it causes us to, to, to try a little harder. It causes us to, to hold on a little bit longer. It causes us to trust a little more 
deeply and intensely. See, salvation belongs to the Lord. This entire story uh, is summarized with that statement. Salvation is this process of pursuit and invitation. Pursuit and invitation to walk with Christ. And it comes with a warning. It comes with a warning. This is not going to be easy. Jesus said himself, in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart. See, there's a warning and then a promise. Have hope. In the classic by C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Susan and Mr. Beaver are in conversation about Aslan, the true king of Narnia. And uh, uh, Mr. Beaver is describing Aslan, and he says he's a, a lion, the lion, the great lion. And Susan is shocked, and she says, oh, he's a lion. I thought he was a man. Is, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. And see, this invitation to walk in this life with Christ isn't necessarily safe, but it's good. It isn't necessarily easy, but it's good. And it's good because we walk with the one who willingly takes our punishment, who willingly rescues us by taking our place. It's, it's good because we walk with the one who walks on top of the storms and can lift us out. And all we have to do, this is what's crazy about it, all we have to do is hope, trust. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you are good to us. And God, I thank you that you took our punishment. You took that judgment that we deserve. And God, I thank you that you continue to pursue and invite us in. And God, you correct us where we mess up. And God, I pray that you would help us to accept this invitation and walk in this life with you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen.